365 days a year. And welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell, and Diane Duber and I are your hosts every week, right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11, and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Banks, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets, and at Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. Happy Monday. How is uh, how's sheltering in place going for you this week? Oh, so it is Monday. I wasn't sure. I thought it was Thursday, but I'm glad... Okay. I keep having to uh, set alarms for my kids' Zoom calls so I can remember because all of a sudden it's like 15 minutes past the time and I'm like, oh no, we missed it. So yeah, yeah a, d- a different uh, a different pace. It is, uh, but um, I'm not that, uh, it's not that different for me. I've been retired for over 20 years. So for me, it's sort of very much the same. So uh, anyway, happy happy Wednesday. <laughs> so anyways, we have we have with us today Laurel Sykes, who's the Executive Vice President, Chief Compliance Officer and Risk Officer for American Riviera Bank today. Laurel, thanks so much for taking time out to join us. I know it's a busy time for the bank, and um, we're just thrilled to have you here with us. Thanks for having me. So the first article today um, is from the Wall Street Journal on Saturday, and it's entitled Returns Are in the Eye of the Beholder. And it's about Putnam Funds, which is one of the big, very big uh, conglomerate uh, mutual fund companies, is closing down one of its funds because of poor performance. And this fund was launched in 2009 with a uh, special kind of fee arrangement, which is uh, not uh, unique, but not really typical of the old fashioned mutual fund. In this case, the fees were based upon whether or not they beat a benchmark. Okay, so far, pretty much vanilla. But what was really, um, made, what made this story interesting is that the benchmark that they chose for this fund was a blend 50-50 between the S&P 500 and the Morgan developed high yield index fund, which is a basket of low rated corporate bonds. Okay, so far so good. But what happened was over the last 10 years, they did very, very well in terms of their benchmark because they didn't invest in any bonds. They only invested in stocks. So here they created a benchmark that was essentially uh, a hedge against having the stock market decline, but they invested all their money in stocks. So of course they beat their benchmark. And what the articles... I guess purpose to make uh, to, to and I, what my, the purpose I brought it in today is to say that when you are looking at an index uh, or some type of uh, benchmark when you're comparing your returns or comparing returns of something you own, you really better make sure that it, it's the right benchmark. 
You know, that's so true because when oftentimes people uh, compare everything to the S&P 500, which just isn't an accurate representation, especially if your portfolio has some international exposure or some small and mid cap exposure, that it, it's not comparing apples to apples. And that's oftentimes how investors get themselves into trouble because they constantly are chasing returns of the best performing asset classes when oftentimes their own portfolio is more diversified than that. Exactly. The second article, which is from today's New York Times, which I found to be really shocking, it's all of the things, all of the goodies that are in the rescue package that really have nothing to do with the coronavirus or really much of anything else, and how skewed it was towards the extremely, extremely wealthy. Um, and um, the, 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 for example, um, they this this new bill undo, undo, undoes limitations that were put into uh, the 2017 uh, tax cut package to prove that it wasn't just for the rich, um, and it included permitting companies to take deductions, a large amount of deductions for um, uh, interest payments way up beyond what they were allowed to, which helps private equity firms. They were. They are. They permit um, the writing off of losses from prior years in the current year, and you know this is sort of the irony of it: is that if you have a loss in 2020, you won't be able to use that loss uh, until next year, until you file your taxes. Now, this is the year where you need help. But what this bill does is it permits you to take 2018 and 2019 losses and to use that to reduce this year's taxes, which has absolutely nothing to do with the coronavirus crisis. It also permits uh, accelerated depreciation and uh, uh, deductions. And all of this, which is really sort of adding insult to injury, are only for companies and people above a certain threshold of income, which uh, to me is you know, just blatantly uh, favoring the, the really super rich, both individuals and companies. You know, it's you constantly hear that there's a bunch of um, pork added into all of these bills. And part of that is politics. And part of that is, you know, it, it's difficult. And for whatever reason, Washington seems to not be able to pass a clean bill. Um, the next article is um, actually a really good complement to community banks. Um, and again, it was in today's New York Times, and the article is about um, how difficult it was, and it still is, to get money out uh, to uh, borrowers from the stimulus package that was uh, passed two weeks ago, and quite frankly, the new one that just started today. And the article interviews a bunch of community bank presidents, and they talk about how they were given really no help from the government in terms of understanding how they could do this. They weren't given the right, any forms. Um, they were um, basically left out in the cold to ramp up something that they had never done before. The big banks, and there have been several articles about this, not only favored their big customers, but in some cases, because they're so heavily regulated, they didn't take uh, any initiative to get loans out because they were afraid of uh, being uh, getting in trouble later. And 
one of the things that the community banks, and there's a bunch of examples of community banks all over the country that really helped out, is they took the position they really wanted to help their customer and they were willing to take the risk that maybe they weren't dotting all the I's or crossing all the T's. As a result, a lot of companies have realized that working with a community bank uh, can have a great deal of advantage, particularly in a crisis like this. Absolutely. Um, you know, community, community banks for, for small business are definitely um, much more friendly and much more easy to work with. And they actually are, are able to be a partner to you because they, they don't have that same big bank mentality. Yeah, that's why I bank at American Riviera Bank. And in fact, I got a, uh, a loan and I didn't even ask for it. I thought you banked with joking, the, like, the Alfie dog treats. <laughs> right. um, uh, so, so it's not just the dog treats, Neil? No, it's, um, it's the fact that um, it's like Cheers. Everyone knows my name. <laughs> you know, when you walk in, if you walk into Bank of America, they look at you like your shoes aren't shining. You walk into American Riviera Bank and they say, hey, Neil, how are your dogs? <laughs> And they so give I, you a dog treat. Well, so I go in and visit my money at least uh, once every other day, just for that. <laughs> Hopefully not now. No, they won't let. No, they actually won't let me in now. It's not, it's well, that's because they know you're not coming for any reason but the dog treat. Right, <laughs> right. Which they lock up. I've told that story before. But the money in the drawer is not locked. But the dog biscuits in the file cabinet are locked, and that's a story that I still can't understand. But I kind of agree with that. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the, the cheers analogy because we actually, in, in Joanne Funari's office, there is a cheers sign hanging up in there because when the bank first started, that's what we wanted to be all about was we wanted to be the cheers of banking and wanted to be that place that you come where everybody knows who you are and they know your, your story and your financial needs and, and can help you as a partner. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. 
Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Money Talk brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290 if you have any questions. Or you can also email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, we're thrilled to have with us on the line, Laurel Sykes, who's the Executive Vice President and Chief Compliance and Risk Officer for American Riviera Bank. Laurel, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in banking? And um, I noticed that you are a local. uh, You grew up in solving. That's exciting. And so um, tell us a little bit about the beginning of, of you. Okay. Well, I've been in banking for almost 30 years now, um, starting in solving, actually. I, uh, oh. I started as a bank teller at a little branch in, um, in the solving area uh, while I was going to high school. So I was one of those that, that got out of class at, at noon every day and got to go start my, my day job. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. Um, so I started as a teller. I worked my way up through the branches. Um, I started at Santa Barbara Bank and Trust uh, when that bank was still around doing uh, a merger and acquisition team. And then when that merger was complete, I didn't have another path to take. So I ended up in this risk and compliance arena. Interesting. And so where did, so did you stay local? Did you go to UCSB for, for college? I did. I and did. What did you major in? Uh, business economics. Oh, all right. Busy con. Nice. And so now did you always think you wanted to be in banking or is that just kind of how it evolved? That's, uh, you know, we all say that banking is an accidental career. Um, It's, it's something that I was, I was doing continuing through school and then after school. And I think maybe I, I uh, tried another avenue once or twice. And um, during my, my notice that I had given at the bank that I was at at the time, I ended up getting an offer I couldn't refuse. So <laughs> I've never actually left. <laughs> you know, the um, risk management business or that role has really exploded since the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And what companies thought they had in place in terms of risk management really wasn't. It's become much more sophisticated and much, much more important. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you're an, are you an attorney? No, I'm not an attorney. I am a certified in a special body of regulations that's applicable to financial institutions. I'm a certified regulatory compliance manager. And do you have, uh, in, in terms of how the role is structured, do you have the right to basically go like an auditor to go into any area and see what they're doing? Yeah. Um, again, it's it's dependent on the bank that you're with, but at my bank, I have full access to, to anything that I need to do to carry out my job. Um, but really, bank like this, it's not necessary. It's more um, it's more managing the number of phone calls that come in for people that actually want to do things the right way. 
But, you know, with the article that I, I brought in before that talked mm-hmm. about the inability for a lot of community banks to be able to ensure that they weren't breaking any of the rules during the last uh-huh. three weeks must have been a real strain on you as well. Yeah, and that's actually how I got in the role for the PPP program itself. Um, we we wanted to do it right and maybe got a little bit of flack for not being ready when the doors first opened on April the 3rd, but we were ready by 10 p.m. that night. Um, we wanted to get the, the loan application completely online so that people could self-serve and understand the requirements themselves. So our application included uh, links to the guidance so that they knew what they were getting into, what their requirements were. Um, how they could calculate their maximum loan amounts. Um, We had to work, of course, to get all the compliance disclosures in place to do things like run credit. Um, So that did take us a little bit longer than probably some of the other banks. But as I mentioned, we wanted to to do it right from the get-go so that we wouldn't have to re-engineer it down the road. And and ultimately, that's a strategy that paid off. Um, I'm not sure what some of the other banks are, are doing right now, but I do know that for us, we were successful in that very first round because of all the work that we had put in in, in um, getting approval from the SBA on 420 loans um, in 10 days, covering 13,000 jobs in our communities. Yeah, wow, which, is, which, is, which is amazing and, and why the, there's so much kudos going out to community banks. This has been a real opportunity for community banks to prove uh, how, how valuable they are to the community. Absolutely. For sure. So for those um, listeners that are unfamiliar with with SBA versus commercial loans, will you just um, take a step back and explain that for us? Sure. Um, So the Small Business Administration is um, something, uh, it's a program that's been available to lenders, but you had to be a prior approved SBA lender at the time. Uh, We've been one for a while, and we're actually a preferred lender under the SBA Um, So when this program came about, it was really easy for us to decide to uh, volunteer to to offer the program because we were already approved and already had good standing and and systems in place. Um, Under the PPP, though, all financial institutions and non-financial institutions like Cabbage or PayPal um, were eligible to apply with the SBA to get approved to do these PPP loans. Uh, The way that the way that the program typically works, it's a it's a government guaranteed loan. Um, the PPP falls under something called the 7A program, which historically has required collateral, like your, your personal home you might put up for collateral. Um, it's, a, it's a guarantee of maybe 50%, maybe 75% um, by the government, depending on the type of product you're doing. Um, and this PPP is, is different than traditional 7A in that, number one, it does not require that you go to another lender and be declined first. Uh, number two, it does not require any collateral by you, by the person. Um, it's 100% guaranteed by the SBA. Um, and number three, as I mentioned before, um, any bank could offer these programs, um, not just those that were prior approved as SBA lenders. And what about, sorry, go ahead. What about um, the loans that there's that caveat that it could be um, forgivable? What are, what are those ramifications, not necessarily the ramifications, but how, how are they going to determine what's forgivable and what isn't, I guess? Okay, that's a really good question. Um, and when I say 100% guaranteed, that's, that's what tells a bank that, that it's a safe loan to make um, and that as long as they do their due diligence, that if anything were to go wrong with this loan, that the SBA would come back and, and make the bank whole. So that's a really important thing. Um, but in addition to this, 
there is a forgiveness element under the PPP, um, whereby if the person who receives the loan uses at least 75% of the loan on payroll specific expenses, it's fully forgivable by the government. Um, and what they do is they, they track their expenses for a period of eight weeks following their initial funding. Um, and once their loan's funded, they would track those expenses for eight weeks, submit to the SBA and, and, and likely get, um, get the whole loan amount forgiven. Now, there are some caveats to that. The loan has to be for very specific eligible purposes. Uh, payroll is one of them. They can also use the other 25% on things like rent or utilities. So now how are, how is the bank going to be made whole on that? And what, you know, it seems like a, a leap of faith on, on your part as a bank that the SBA is going to come back and actually make you whole. It, it, it is a leap of faith. Um, and that's that risk element that you were talking about before. And I think that's why um, we maybe moved a day or two slower than, than some of the larger institutions, because we did want to, you know, dot our, dot our I's and cross our T's um, to make sure that things were right. Uh, the other challenge with this is the loan is um, originated at a 1% rate. So if the forgiveness element didn't happen, then the bank would be carrying these loans on our books at a 1% rate. Um, and that, you know, that that's a struggle from a balance sheet standpoint. Um, I can't today talk about the dollars um, that we funded because we are a publicly traded institution and that information has not been made, made available to the public yet. But needless to say, the amount of loans that community banks are funding does put a strain on their balance sheet and their, their access to liquidity and all of that. Um, so what we're hopeful for is that because we did such a good job and worked with our um, clients to really understand the ramifications, they asked for the right loan amount for them. Um, they will be spending it on payroll and the majority of these will be fully forgiven. Um, and again, that's, that's, um, that is a, a little bit of a leap of faith, but we are a community bank and we wanted to make sure that we could help as many clients as possible uh, in this very difficult time. And it was a risk that we were willing to take. You know, no. many, many people think that, uh, or a misconception that this money is coming from the federal government. It's really coming from the banks. Mm -hmm. And I guess each bank has its own uh, limit based upon how much loans they have versus the capital. So some criticism could be leveled at some banks just because they didn't have the, 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 the dry powder. Uh, it's not like money just was was flowing from the treasury into individuals. It really goes through the banks. Isn't that, is that not the case? That is correct. So we, we have funded, um, I believe to date, we have funded 412 of those loans. Um, and that's quite a bit of, of money for our small little bank here. To give you some frame of reference, while I can't talk about dollar amounts, uh, we typically do about 280 new loans a year. So when you look at 414 done in a 10-day time span, that's incredible volume. Um, I think at the end of all of this, um, I don't know if you're all aware, but today was phase two. Um, we all got primed and ready to go. We had an existing book of business that we were trying to get through our pipeline. Um, we worked all weekend. We Actually, we've worked all weekend for the last six of them, uh, six weeks or so trying to get these these uh, in a good place so that we could submit. And the, the, the deal last night um, was we were waiting for the window to open with the SBA. I think you may have all heard on the news that it was supposed to open at 10.30 a.m. Um, our time, our, our uh, Eastern time, so for us, 7.30. Um, so a group of us got online about three this morning and we've been kind of at it ever since. Um, the SBA went ahead and opened the window at um, 
around 6.15 this morning, which surprised us. Um, fortunately, we were already in the office, so we just jumped on it. Um, and what they allowed us to do is start submitting our applications, even though they weren't approving them yet. They were letting us know if there were any errors so that we could be ready. And we've already done, um, as of the last time I counted, another 131 loans today. Um, we think that by the end of this, we're going to see about 555 loans from American Riviera Bank by the end of today. Wow. So now you, the, the American Riviera Bank limited the loan program to just your existing clients. That's correct. And correct. so um, is that something that many banks did or is that just what, what your community bank decided to do? You know, um, I heard a lot of banks, especially the larger ones, were limiting them to customers. They were also limiting it even further to just business loan customers or maybe just business deposit customers. Um, I did hear of some community banks that that did a kind of a wider reaching net. But the problem you run into there is there's no way to kind of turn off the spigot once the loans start coming in. And I think that what they found is they needed to be able to help their customers and their customers didn't make it in the first round because they had opened it up to everybody. Um, and while it's, while it's, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to say, say no to people. Um, I think that to your point earlier, the, the benefit of banking with a community bank has never been more true than it has been these last two weeks, because that's, those are the groups that, that got the loans through. I mean, you look at a little bank like ours, that's going to do 555 loans, um, in this short a time frame, and it's because number one, we knew our customers, um, and I think that's probably one of the big reasons for just limiting it to the customer base. Um, it's not just enough to take a loan application. You also need to verify payroll expenses. Um, you need to collect entity documents on the business, and we knew we just couldn't do all of that um, for non-customers because there was just too much work involved to try and get them through the pipeline as quickly as we needed to before the money ran out. You're listening to Money Talk on the Santa Barbara News Press radio station. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. Hospice of Santa Barbara is there to help when we're adjusting to living with a life-threatening illness, facing death, anticipating the death of a loved one, or healing our grief after a death. Hospice of Santa Barbara can provide the emotional, social, and spiritual care needed in a supportive, compassionate environment. Hospice of Santa Barbara provides professional counseling for individuals and has many support groups and programs for adults, teens, and children. Services are free made possible by our community's generosity and by all of the highly trained, wonderful volunteers that give her their time to help those in need. If you would like to make a donation, become a volunteer, or support the important work of Hospice of Santa Barbara, or find out more about hospice services for you or someone you love, please call 563-8820, 563-8820, or visit our website at www.hospiceofsantabarbara.org. If you have children up to age 13 and can't afford the high cost of childcare, you may qualify for help. 
The Santa Barbara County Centralized Eligibility List is a resource that helps low-income and at-risk families find subsidized child care programs. For more information and to apply, call 866-440-4481. Place your child's name on the eligibility list today. Funds are limited. Call today for eligibility. Brought to you by the Santa Barbara Family Care Center. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Laurel, we were talking before about all of the loans that you were able to do. What about the normal loan? Somebody strolls into the bank today, oblivious to what's going on, and wants to get a home improvement loan or a new mortgage or wants to open up a business. How has that been affected, or how is that affected? Um, it's not just loans, too. It's deposit accounts. Uh, we've had an increase in um, demand for opening deposit accounts, unlike we've ever seen. Um, and fortunately for us, we may be a small bank, but we're good on technology. Um, we were able to facilitate the opening of deposit accounts through, um, through online means. Um, we have people in the office that then send out the disclosures via DocuSign and everything signed electronically. Um, on the loan side, um, we, we aren't seeing a huge volume of new requests. I mean, there definitely are some. We've got a lot of, um, of clients that are interested in taking advantage of, of opportunities in the marketplace right now. Um, but the biggest requests we're getting are for people that might need financial assistance. Uh, maybe they a deferment on a, a mortgage payment or something like that. Um, and that's all just handled. Our, our employees are still taking all their calls and answering all their emails um, we are fully um, in the cloud environment. So when this happened, we were able to institute a remote work strategy in the, in the blink of an eye. Um, and everybody is able to work from home. We have people um, on A team that are on Mondays and Tuesdays in the office. And then our B team is Thursdays and Fridays. And then we ro- rotate the Wednesday in between. And we just haven't missed a beat. Um, the, the, the employee base has really come together to, to figure things out and to make things happen so that our customers... Um, both for PPP and existing clients um, are, are being served the way that they need to. People still need access to their money. And so during the, when the money ran out, you know, I heard from a lot of articles and people that they were really uh, concerned that either the money that was in the original pool went to large businesses that it shouldn't have and, or they got there too late. Um, do you think that the second wave that, that, that Congress passed uh, last night or um, pool of money will will be sufficient? And do you think that will satisfy the needs of, of the small business? Uh, that's a good question. And again, I think we were talking about this a little bit at the break. I have been 24 seven on PPP. So the news hasn't um, come at me as, as much as I, I would have liked. But initially I heard a, a um, statistic that the first round of funds was only enough to cover about 35% of our businesses. Um, and a lot of those are small businesses with one to four employees, maybe sole props. Um, and if you think about it, if the large businesses all got through, um, there are still, you know, potentially 65% of businesses that didn't get through on that first round, if not more. Um, I, I honestly think that even the second tranche probably won't be enough to cover everybody. 
Um, and I don't know where we're going to go from there. I, I don't know if there's going to be a phase three and a phase four. The one thing that was really hard for us to stomach was the fact that the, the self-employed and, and sole props weren't even able to apply starting on April 3rd. So the money ran out within days of them even being eligible to apply for the funding. So it almost forced the large businesses ahead. And, and this assumes that the, the virus will not come back in the fall. And exactly. so, you know, these loans are only good for a few months worth of payroll. And then exactly. this could all start all over again. So these are. This is not really a stimulus package in the traditional sense. This is really a uh, an a aid triage. package. Yeah, it's a it's a paycheck program. It's 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 to be used in lieu of unemployment. Right. So now, um, during this second tranche, um, as you put it, which I thought was eloquently put, of money. Um, how long do you anticipate the, the funds being available and when do you see that, when do you feel like these may dry up? So if, if we have a listener out there who's thinking, oh gosh, I didn't even know what was happening. I want to apply. Yeah. Do they still have time? Um, I would say yes, but I would caution that it's going to be challenging. Um, a couple of figures that I'd heard were that the large bank pool of funds was likely to be uh, used up within maybe 48 to 72 hours. Um, but the good news is if you are banking with a community bank, there was a separate set of funding set aside for community banks, specifically those like ours that are less than 10 billion in assets. So my guess is the community bank funding will last a little longer. Um, I will say though that in working with uh, eTran today, which is the system that we use to get the SBA approvals, um, they've implemented some interesting strategies to try and minimize um, the impact that the larger banks might have. Um, we saw alerts coming through where they actually limited the number of applications that could be submitted via bulk transfer uh, to 15,000 applications um, per bulk transfer by, a, by an institution. Obviously, we don't have 15,000, but then later in the day, we saw things really, really slow down. I don't know if you've, uh, you've seen the news uh, today, but um, SBA, the, the E-Tran system has effectively been down since 7.30 this morning for us. Um, and it comes up intermittently. And because of our technology, we've been able to get in and get the approvals we needed every time it was up because we're aware every time the system goes back up. Um, but the interesting thing about that is we've also watched them um, do kind of a staggered approach where they only accept a certain number of applications from a bank in a given hour. Um, so it's very slow going. Um, I've heard of people at community banks and credit unions that are only getting maybe four applications approved in an hour. Um, and we've gotten over 135 approved uh, since since early this morning. So it's been a really interesting experience. How fast is the turnaround time on approval? That's another good question. Um, and it's hard to judge. For us, because we're fully automated and we have integration through our software with the eTrans system, um, we did all the pre-work. We did all the data entry and all the elements were there before the SBA even opened their doors this morning. Um, so for us, if it was a clean file, it takes uh, minutes. Um, I will say though that there are some loans where we get an initial application number from the SBA, but it seems to be taking the better part of today for them to actually get issue final approval. We don't know if that's because um, maybe they're they're putting priority towards a smaller dollar amounts. We don't know if that's because there's a, a data edit check on the back end. We're not quite sure. But for other banks that are doing manual entry, 
this whole process could take up to 30 minutes for each loan. It really is an amazing impact on resources that I just don't think the, the rest of the world quite understands. I mean, it literally is around the clock and I, my hats are off to every community banker out there uh, because I know, I know how hard they're all working and I know how much they care. And um, I know that, that we're doing it for the right reasons, you know, talking to customers um, is the reason why I'm, I'm still awake right now because they, they keep me going. The stories and the help that we're providing, uh, you know, from the very first day, I, I talked to a gentleman when I got to let him know that he had been approved and, and he asked if he could share a story. And this is one of about a, a thousand client stories after talking to them. But he said, I know you're busy and I know that um, you probably hear this from every customer, but you're really making a difference. And he said, um, because of this loan next week, I'm going to be able to feed my 16 year old child. And those are, those are the kind of stories that really make this program worthwhile and make you realize that it exists for a really good cause. And I hope, I hope that despite the negativity and the news and the press about what was wrong and what wasn't done correctly, that everybody understands that we're all just trying to do our very best to help the people that need it most. And, um, I think that, I think that everybody is doing everything in their power to make that happen. Now, are you seeing any um, denials? And if so, what what criteria are they looking at to uh, deny these loans? Um, they're not necessarily denied, but there are definitely eligibility requirements that the SBA put out for these loans. Uh, for example, lenders aren't um, eligible for a PPP loan. Um, anything kind of illegal activity. Um, so um, federally legal activity like uh, marijuana. Cannabis. Yeah, cannabis. Correct. Allowed. Correct. Um, there are um, other problems that they're seeing where maybe the loan amount that's been requested is too much um, under the guidance of the program. Uh, under the guidance of the program, they're allowed two and a half times their monthly payroll expense. Um, another thing that's been really challenging uh, with the program is the SBA keeps issuing what they call interim final guidance, or I guess it's the treasury that's issuing that. And it's kind of an oxymoron, but we've gotten at least three or four interim final guidances that change the rules for who's eligible and who's not. Um, just even Friday night, right before the window opens for us, they changed again uh, self-employed uh, uh, requirements. And it's just, it's been a constantly moving target. And so sometimes um, maybe we had to say people were ineligible in the beginning when maybe now that they are and, and vice versa. Well, we're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. 
please visit arlingtonfinancialadvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who... Worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone... Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, so Laurel, what, one of the things that um, you've done that's really been important is helping the clients get the loan. But once they get the loan, they have certain requirements that they need to fulfill in order to get the loan forgiven. Uh, are you going to help clients with the back end to help them make sure that they do whatever they need to do, particularly the smaller businesses, to be able to uh, get the forgiveness part of the loan? That's a good question. Um, and uh, to clarify, the businesses aren't the ones that are applying to the SBA for forgiveness. The banks are. Um, so we're the ones that have to certify uh, the expenses in order to apply for the forgiveness. Um, but to your question about what we're doing to support them, We've, even though we've used technology to take these applications online, we've introduced people at every step of the process. We have just about every employee in the bank working on this, uh, including our director of human resources, who's making calls every time a loan gets approved. She's been reaching out to the borrower and telling them they've been approved, confirming their loan amount, confirming that they understand they need to spend it on at least um, 75% payroll expense. Um, and and that happens. And then after the loan gets approved and we get SBA approval, somebody else calls them for their uh, entity documents to prove who's authorized to sign on the loan. They get reminded at that point, the loan documents themselves have instructions about how the money should be used. Um, so we feel like rather than just throw an application online that was two pages and not comprehensive, like that the SBA did put out as their sample and using DocuSign and just making it fully automated, that putting people in the path of all of these applicants every step along the way has given them the best chance that they have at really understanding the use um, and what their obligations are in order to get it forgiven. So, so go back to the, so the bank is the one that is going to go to the SBA and ask for forgiveness. And so uh, do you even have an inkling of understanding of how that's going to work yet? That's another really good question. They're all good questions that we ask every day of our lives. And then the SBA is slow to issue guidance on it. They still have yet to issue any guidance on forgiveness. Um, that said, we have a really strong SBA team that really understands um, government loans and 
Um, we're already uh, working on a process to request forgiveness. Um, because of our online uh, functionality, we're able to collect documents from customers where they can just upload directly online. And then through that online uh, methodology, we can push out to individual reviewers within minutes. I mean, there, there were loans that we were pushing through our entire pipeline and getting full bank approval uh, within hours if it was fully complete and it was routed through the right channels. So we'll probably implement some similar types of functionality uh, for the forgiveness aspect. That's, that's great to know. And, and I'm sure you should feel, uh, or I just want to say you should feel very proud. The investment that you, that the bank did in technology early on has really come to, you know, bear fruit for you all and make this process that much easier. Absolutely. Especially today. Uh, like I said, when, when you're considering four applications approved in an hour and we've had, you know, over 135, um, it really shows where where technology comes into play. And I think, you know, other community banks are having success doing this completely manually, um, but maybe not quite on the, such a large scale. And they might be a smaller institution or they might be counting on the fact that money's going to stay um, available for the next couple of days. When, when you say that your um, demand uh, accounts have also uh, been positively impacted, do you have any sense of where that money is coming from? Is it coming from disgruntled big bank uh, customers or is it just coming from stock market where people just have too much money now and they need a place to put it? Where where do you find the new money is coming from? It, it, it a lot of times is people that are realizing that it's time to switch. You know, they've been sitting on it for a while. They've been with a big bank. Maybe they've been bought over 10 times over when they used to bank with a community bank. And it's, it, you know, sometimes people need an impetus to, to get them to make the switch. And I think um, not only has that happened, but you're also in a situation where, where customers can't come into a branch anymore, right? They need to really self-serve online. And we've got uh, online mechanisms for people to do that from the privacy of their home without going anywhere. And I think that's really helped. The other thing that we're seeing is we're fairly new in the San Luis Obispo County. Um, we opened up in early 2018 in Paso Robles and have had phenomenal success. Um, that branch has become our number two largest branch in, in just no time at all. Um, and then San Luis Obispo opened uh, just last year. So we're continuing to see a ton of clients um, coming over from the larger institutions that were really just waiting for a community bank to come back into the space. And, and the team that we have uh, in, in the San Luis Obispo County is just um, unrivaled. They're, they're they're all they're all expert bankers and have been doing this for an awful long time. And clients were just waiting for them to 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 find a landing space. And and so with that said, what do you have a demographic breakdown of where the loans are primarily being um, uh, deployed? Is it is it equally among the counties, or or is it primarily Santa Barbara County? No, I mean our Paso and San Luis teams. We had. Um, we, we anointed uh, reviewers of these loans in, in every branch, every location. And, and even our assistant controller is doing underwriting for these PPP loans because he's got that kind of uh, background where payroll makes sense. Um, but we're seeing it from, from all angles. Um, our very first um, approvals, our very first two approvals were actually in San Luis Obispo County um, just because... Uh, they knew their client, they got them complete, and we were able to get it through the, the, the pipeline as fast as possible. So 
it wasn't a prioritization of a demographic or of a county. It was really which applications are complete and which can we push through and get approval for right away. Um, but it's been, it's been North South. Um, I think the last look I saw was the average loan amount was about $211,000. Um, um, again, that was a point in time, so I'm not sure what it is currently, but if you, if you think about, if you think about that size and you think about, you know, 13,000 jobs being protected through the program, you can start to see that really there is no, um, one person there's, there's been sole props with one employee on up to, you know, businesses, restaurants, and, uh, and the like that, that are able to now hire back employees that they had, had had to let go. I, I love the fact that you use the word anointed. I spent a career on wall street and I never got anointed to anything. <laughs> uh, you're, you're listening to money talk on AM 1290 KZSB. And we'll be right back with our final segment. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the KellyMarshTeam.com or call Call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Santa Barbara Teen Sports listeners, I am your host, Erica Solda, the Queen of Teen. We welcome you all to join us every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Check out the website and all the great places you can participate in the station supporting local teens and athletic talent in our community. Where can you find us? Instagram, yeah. Twitter, yeah. SantaBarbaraTeenSportsRadio.com, YouTube, Facebook. When else are we airing? Tuesday evenings, 11 p.m. and Monday morning, 3 a.m. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Laurel, for anyone listening out there that uh, wants to apply for the second tranche of, of the PPP money, what would you recommend them doing? I think the very first thing is to contact your, your community bank. Contact, start with the, the bank that you bank with. Um, you can also go visit our page. We have um, a page on the American Riviera Bank website 
um, dedicated to PPP. Um, there's a big banner at the top of our website, so you can't miss it. And what it does is it gives you resources and maybe other alternative lenders that you might also be able to apply through in case your bank isn't participating. You know, and what? it gives you gives you great information about what's necessary, what documentation you're going to need to collect, and and all the resources that are at, at your disposal. To that end, you know, I think it's it's worthwhile mentioning that Laurel, you also do a blog that gives a. a plethora of information and very relevant to what's going on now about the CARES Act, about PPMP. And, you know, I just wanted to say thank you because it, you really um, boil it down so that it's easily, easily digestible. So I would recommend anyone who's looking uh, to learn more about the CARES Act, PPP, how to, how to actually process you get your loan processed and get the money in, in your payroll um, to, to go to American Riviera uh, Bank's website and, and check out Laurel's blog because it, it's a wealth of information. So thank you for doing that. It's a real community um, treasure. Absolutely. We've been a little remiss in posting updates as of late. There's been not a lot of time to create right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you've been you've been creatively getting applications <laughs> in the pipeline. So uh, I think we'll forgive you for that. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, so in our final, um, you know, moments together here online, I just really wanted to say thank you for being a community bank and saving those thirteen thousand plus jobs in the in our two counties, Santa Barbara as well as San Luis Obispo County. Um, it really is going to go a long way in helping our community get through this very challenging and um, unprecedented time of this COVID nineteen pandemic. Thank you. You know, and, and one more one more thing to to in the spirit of financial literacy, um, we are offering classes as well. Um, so if you go on to um, our YouTube channel at three thirty every day, your kids can take our financial literacy classes. Oh, fun! Okay, we'll do that. Thank you so much, Laura, and thank you, American Riviera Bank, for all you do. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you next week. It's 3 